Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards, and you're with Impact Cyber Church. You know, man, I am so excited for what I'm going to be sharing with you today. You know, the reason I'm excited is because I'm telling you, I don't know if you realize it, in these programs that we've been going through, man, I'm giving you keys to unlock doors where pain has been flooding into your life. You didn't even know how it was getting there. Listen, if you watched last week's Cyber Church broadcast, you discovered how all of this pain was getting into your heart. And, and I'm going I'm to recap a little bit of that, but we go, we're going to dive ahead today. I don't, I don't want to recap too much. But remember, we started out with this identifying the fact that when we pass a judgment, and a judgment is where you're trying to determine good and evil, right and wrong. And when you're, try, and when you're trying to determine why someone did something, why they said something to you a certain way, a look that they gave you. You know, I was in, I was in a meeting yesterday with somebody that was close to me. And, uh, and when they left the meeting, they went and told somebody, said, well, he, he, he gave me that look. And I'm, I'm thinking, we had an incredibly pleasant, positive meeting. There was not one negative word said, but there was a judgment passed by that other person. Who knows? You know, I'm, I'm unfortunately, you know, I'm always having to check uh, text messages coming in, even, you know, even when I'm with, with other people and um, because I've always got stuff going on. Who knows what floated through my mind or who knows if I even gave any kind of a look, but some look that I gave, that person passed the judgment. Bam. So then, see, we, when we assume to know why someone has done what they've done, why better look at me that way? Why did they have that tone of voice? You know, I re, and, and so I, my mind is always, I, I, I'm a paradox in that I can stay in complete peace, but my mind's always running. And man, I'm telling you, I can be talking to somebody, they'll say something and it gives me an idea, it gives me a thought, and my expression will change. I remember I had a woman one time, she got mad at me, and to this day she hates my guts. It was because when she was talking to me, my expression changed. And she was like, I know what you meant by that. I'm like, what? And she said, you're mad because I did so-and-so. I said, that has nothing to do, ha what are you talking about? And she said, I saw that look on your face. I said, no, I was thinking about something, something else. You know, what you were talking to me about made something pop into my mind. And to this day, she hates my guts because she passed a judgment. And in judgment, we attach significance to another person's actions. And we learned through, you know, through what we covered so far. Man, if you have not gone through these previous weeks of programs, go back and listen to them. If you're, if you're serious about ending pain, if, you're, if, you're, if you, you're through being the victim, if you're through getting your heart broken, getting your feelings hurt, if you're through letting people cross your boundaries, go back and listen to these programs. And listen, one of the things you can do, you can participate in a life transformation workshop 
through Impact Unlimited. I'm telling you that this will be an incredible opportunity for you. If you want to find out about how to spend a month going through live coaching where I help you deal with this stuff, you got a chance to do it. I'm telling you, this is incredible. But, but, but here's the deal. We, we attach significance to people's actions. We have no clue if that's what they meant or why they did what they did. But how much something hurts you has very little to do with what any person does. How much something hurts you, according to the Bible, according to Jesus' teaching, not, not me, not Freud, not somebody, according to Jesus, something only has the ability to hurt you based on the significance you attach to it. The Bible says this way, with the measure you meet, it shall be measured back to you. However you measure out your judgment of someone else's actions, that's how those judgments affect you. And we've discovered that, that those judgments and thinking about those judgments, those are seeds. And every time we think about them, every time we relive them, this is like planting thorns in the garden of our life. And no matter how much of the Word of God we plant in there, if we keep planting thorns, those thorns always choke it out. So not only do we have hurt and sorrow, but we limit ourselves in our capacity to enjoy the promises of God. Now, the interesting thing in life is this, and, and this, is, this is a God thing. Very seldom in anything dealing with God are there more than two choices. There's yes, there's no. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in our communication with other people, we need to learn to just yes, no. And, and let our yes be yes, and let our no be no, and, and, and don't try to over-explain things. And I'll tell you, that took me years to figure out. Now, <clears throat> it's interesting. If we want life, we have to choose life. Why? Because we're created in the likeness and the image of God. God will not and cannot do to us that which we do not choose. And He cannot do for us that which we cannot choose. I'm telling you, a, a, a God creating man and how he created man is, is one of the core factors of your faith. And I, I, I'm telling you what, I, there, is a, there is a dearth of Christians that actually believe we're created in God's likeness and image and that we have a free will and that we have choice and everything that happens in our life is by s some choice by default or by conscious effort that we make. People don't want to believe that because it makes them too responsible. But man, responsibility is the path to freedom. It's the only path to freedom. So, so, I mean, even all the way back to Deuteronomy, God's like, choose life or death. You've got to choose this. I'm not going to choose it for you. I'm offering you life. And if you don't choose life, it's not that God's going to give you death. If you don't choose life, then you have default, by default, chosen to follow the natural course of the world, which is always death. Choose blessing or cursing. Which one? Well, nobody wants the cursing, but that doesn't mean everybody chooses the blessing. It's like, I can't choose. How do I know, how do I know God to do it if I choose? How do I, how do I know it's the will of God? Well, I'll tell you how you know, because Jesus sent, I mean, God sent Jesus to die, to set you free from the curses and to bring to you all the blessings, all the promises of God. Pretty simple. Now, we talked about this already. Luke 17, 3 says this. It says, take heed to yourselves uh, if your brother sins against you. Now, we talked about this fact that why in the world should I take heed to myself if, if he's the bad guy? 
Why, why should I have to take heed? He's the one who better take heed to himself because you know the scripture said be better than a millstone be hung around his neck than that he offend one of these little ones. Well, let me explain something to you. There's a difference between an offense where someone intends to cause you to stumble. Well, the problem is every time we have emotions that depress us, oppress us, uh, 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 cause us to lose our sense of self-worth or confidence in God. When, when we have those, we always assume that we're having them because of what somebody else did. And the real truth is, more often than not, we're having it because of the judgments we passed about what they did, the significance we attached to it, the reason why, what we think their reason was for doing what they were doing. And so, you know, the person that says something that you don't like and you get offended for, that person doesn't have to worry about a millstone being hung around their neck. That's always, but I'll tell you what, when, once you get offended at somebody, whether it's their deliberate effort, which it nearly never is, or whether it's your response to their actions, you are the one that the Bible says, you better take heed. And in fact, the Bible tells you that, that you need to rebuke that person. That doesn't mean go get on to them. Basically, it just means you, that, that, that you need to really go to them and say, this is what happened. Not, not, I know why you did what you did, but this is what happens. And if the person realizes, oh man, and most of the time, most of the time I've ever gone to somebody and said, you know what, when you said that to me, that, I felt kind of like you were attacking me. I felt like you were being critical. I can't tell you how many times a person be like, no, no, that, that wasn't what I meant. Well, then okay. Then I, I need to forgive. Or many times a person said, you know what, I did, I was angry, I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. And bam. That's the way you instantaneously get to the root of what a problem is. Now, uh, also the word rebuke gets into establishing boundaries. And this is, this is really, really important. Most people don't establish emotional boundaries. They let people uh, cross their, their boundaries. Their, uh, uh, so, but if, so if you're not willing to establish boundaries, you actually have no claim for offense. In other words, people will come to me and they'll say, man, my husband does this all the time. And I'm like, so when did you ever sit down with him and tell him that that was not acceptable, that he could not do it? Well, I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do it? It's called establishing the boundaries. He might not even know he's doing it. He might, he might know he's doing it. He might not have any clue how this is affecting you. And so, and so, we don't establish boundaries, which means we're kind of giving people permission to keep doing what they have been doing all along. So when it comes down to offenses, just like blessings and cursing, just like life and death, just like freedom or bondage, then we have only two choices. And these two choices are going to determine the degree of pain and suffering that's going to come back into my life based on how I am handling or responding to this situation. Now, Jesus said this in John chapter 20. It says, he's speaking to his disciples. He says, peace to you. 
as the Father has sent me, I also send you. In other words, we are sent out with the same anointing, with the same Holy Spirit, with the same Word of God. Everything, everything that Jesus had when He went out into the world, you have now. And the only thing that might be lacking is you don't believe it to the degree that Jesus did, or I don't believe it to the degree that Jesus did. So the only limit on us living like Jesus is what we believe. That's it. There, there are absolutely no other limits. What do you believe in the heart? The Bible says that whatever it is you believe in your heart establishes all the boundaries that exist in your life. If there is a limitation in my life, nobody out there did it. If there's a limitation in my life, I did it. A lot of people say, well, well you know, I have these limitations in my life because when I was little, my, my mother always, always said, you'll never amount to anything. Well, you know something? When you were a child, you spoke as a child, you thought as a child, it's time to put away childish things. There comes a time in your life when you have to move beyond those boundaries where somebody else spoke those words to you and because you were a child and vulnerable, you took them into your heart. I get it. You didn't, have, you didn't know better. You didn't even have the sense of having a choice about that. But I got news for you. You got a choice now. And, and I'm, I, I'm, I don't mean to be confronted, but I'm going to tell you something. By the time we get through with, with this series, it, it's going to be real simple. You're going to choose to be a victim and live in pain, or you're going to choose to put an end to the pain from the past, and you're going to choose how you will avoid offenses in the future. Man, I don't know about you. I ain't got time for offenses. I got too much going on. So verse 22, it says, And so when he said this to them, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive or take hold of the Holy Spirit. Now, this next verse, when I was doing my undergraduate uh, 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 education in, in theology, uh, <clears throat> I remember sitting in a classroom reading this verse, and we debated about what this could mean almost a whole class. And what's funny is looking back now, no one ever opened up a Greek New Testament and read it and said, oh, well, wait a minute. This is, this is what it says. And that, you know, that's what we tend to do. Uh, I remember I used to minister in jails a lot. You know, I spent years ministering on the street, ministering in jails and places like that. And, and uh, <clears throat> I remember one time I, I was ministering in a jail. I'm telling you, a guy was, man, he was down on his knees on the other side of the bars. I'm down on my knees on this side of the bars. He's weeping. I'm leading him in a prayer to accept Jesus as Lord. And all of a sudden, a guy comes running up. He's like, stop, stop, stop. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And uh, he was another preacher from the area that was ministering in the jails that day. He said, let me see your Bible. I said, well, what do you want to see my Bible for? Because if that's not a King James Bible, then, then this guy's not really getting saved. Now, what I used to do, because I knew that group came down to the jails a lot, I used to carry a Greek New Testament with me a lot of times. And so you just reach in your pocket, pull out your Greek New Testament, and say, here, this is, this is what I'm reading. And of course, they can't read it. Well, and the point is that... Uh, there's a lot of things that we can get these crazy doctrines about just the way something is written in an antiquated language that we don't understand. So the next verse says this. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. Or they're forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Man, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're like... The debate that day was, and see, this is one of the debates in Catholicism. Does any man 
have the authority to forgive somebody else's sins. Well, you know, in some denominations, Catholicism being one of them, yes, a priest or the Pope or in other denominations, you know, they have certain, certain uh, uh, figures of authority and power that according to their doctrine, you, that person has the power, has the anointing to forgive other people's sins. First, let me say this. And remember, the Old Testament is the scripture. The New Testament is enlightenment onto the Old Testament. But uh, the Old Testament is where all scripture originates. What's interesting in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, there is one word used of forgiveness that is only used between God and man. There is another word used for forgiveness that's only used from man to man or from human being to human being. And so, so God's always made a distinction between the type of forgiveness we offer each other and the type of forgiveness that can only be found in Him. So <clears throat> when you look at the original language in this, you find that the word forgive all the way through the New Testament basically means send away. That's it. So now sins, the concepts of sins gets down to uh, uh, Harmartia. It, it, so it's, it's something, if a person sins against you, then this is affecting you in a way that makes you feel less than because that, that is the core of sin. The core of sin is feeling lack. It's feeling like I'm not who God says I am. I feel like I don't have what God says I have. I feel like I can't do what God says I can do. So I'm just stuck here because I can't trust God. That's sin. That's the core of sin. And every sinful behavior emerges out of feeling lack, feeling inadequate. So, <clears throat> so when someone sins against you, that means that person has done something, and it has to be deliberate. That person has done something to make you feel inadequate, feel less than God. But now remember, they haven't sinned unless that was done purposely unless they've actually violated God's word toward you in a way that makes you feel inadequate. Otherwise, you're feeling inadequate because of the judgment that you're passing about what they meant. Why did they do that? What was their motive? So if you read this, and by the way, then it goes on to say, so, so if you forgive somebody's sins, they're forgiven. So that, that's interesting. If you send away somebody's sins, they're sent away. Then it says, but if you retain the sins of anybody, they are retained. Now, what does it mean to retain? It means to hold on to something. Now, I know the Message Bible is not a translation. I know the Message Bible is, a, is, is kind of a transliteration. But, but sometimes it just hits the nail on the head a little bit better than the actual translation because it gets the concept. Verse 23 of the Message Bible says this, if you forgive, so you know that that word forgive means send away. If you send away someone's sins, they are gone for good. Now, who are they gone from? Are they gone from that person? Or are they gone from, from your heart, mind, and emotions? Because see, the problem is, if someone says something, regardless of what they mean, if someone says something, and I have a negative emotion about something, then I am holding on to the sin. 
I am holding on to the offense. It will be those negative emotions that I am holding on to that make me stumble. That's what the word offense means. It means something that makes you stumble. Well, how does it make you stumble? Because you feel inadequate. You feel less than. You feel, you know, you feel forlorn. You feel forsaken. All those kinds of things. So, so if you forgive someone's sins, they're gone. Who are they gone from? They are gone from you. They are gone from your heart. They no longer emotionally torment you. They are no longer the thing that keeps popping up in your mind that you keep remembering that makes you feel limited, makes you feel less than who you are in Jesus. But, but let's, let's see what else that scripture says. <laughs> it says this. So if you don't forgive or if you don't send them away, what are you going to do with them? Man alive. Everybody in the world needs to understand forgiveness from that perspective. You see, we have a flawed religious concept of forgiveness. And because of that religious idea of forgiveness, man, forgiveness looks like it's something that's going to be harder than anything we ever imagined. You know, we're going to be like the disciples, like, oh, man, you got to give me more faith because I can't do this. Jesus said, yeah, you can. All you got to do is decide. That's it. That's all you got to do is decide. If you decide you can, God will empower you. Or if you decide you're willing, it's not willing to decide you can. Am I willing? Do I make the choice? But see, we think, <clears throat> and we have been taught that when we forgive someone, that we're just saying, you know, I'm just going to let this go. You're, 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 you're not, I'm not going to hold you responsible for this. Or it's like saying, well, it's all right. It's all right that you did that to me. It's all right that you beat me. It's all right that you molested me. It's all right that you stole from me. It's all right that you lied about me. You know, and that's what we think forgiveness is. We think forgiveness is giving that guilty party a pass. But the truth is, it's not all right. There are things that need to be dealt with in forgiveness. But the point is this. In forgiveness, I am not dealing with the person. I am dealing with the feeling of lack, inadequacy, limitation, oppression, depression. I am dealing with that and how that is affecting me. And I'm telling you, this is so simple, it's hard to believe. Because if you offend me, I don't have to go work this out with you. Now, that may, that may come along later. But see, if I'm offended, I got to take heed to myself because I'm going to stumble. Well, one of the ways I might stumble is I might decide to have vengeance on you. I might decide to have wrath on you. I might decide to throw a cussing, screaming fit and, and be up in your face and do something ungodly that's worse than anything you did to me. Unless I can get rid of this emotion, this way that I feel. Forgiveness, sending away is not what you do with the person, it's what you do with the offense. So if I send away an offense, that means I am deliberately making a choice. I don't accept you. I don't want you. You're not from God. I send you away. You said it can't be that easy. Well, if it can't be that easy, then there's millions of people all over the world that I've taught to walk through this process that are doing it, that we need to call them all and let them know this really don't work, even though it's changed your whole world. That's called sarcasm. You see, we're not giving people a pass. We're not telling people that what they did 
is all right. You know, I, I don't have time to go into this, but one of the really interesting things, you know, in Matthew 5, 25, Jesus says, agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him to work out things, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. What he's talking about is a person that is that, that a person that, you know, is in prayer and they come to realize that there's an issue that they have a debt. And here it's talking about it's using financial debt as an example. You have a debt. Man, I can't tell you how many people have come to me after they, you know, stole money from me or, or uh, or cheated me out of something and they would get caught and they're like, well, you know, we're both Christians. So as Christians, you shouldn't go to law against me. Or as Christians, you've got to forgive me. Well, I'm kind of like, well, as Christians, you shouldn't steal from me. Because Jesus is making a clear distinction here. Even though I'm bringing personal forgiveness, I am not bringing uh, relief from consequences. If you steal, Jesus is saying, and he's not, I'm packing a whole bunch of verses into one concept here, but it's sort of like, if you steal, I'm going to love you. I'm going to comfort you as much as I can. I'm going to lead you into righteousness. But I'm telling you, if you don't pay the money back, that's between you and that person and the laws of that land. And if you don't pay that money back, you might go to jail. And basically he's saying, I'm not going to be trying to get you out of jail. I'm going to be dealing with your heart. I'm going to be trying to keep you whole. I'm going to be trying to keep your life together. Uh, and you still, but you still may go to jail. You see, Jesus said when people violate the law, they should pay the consequences. Forgiveness is not becoming a codependent doormat that says you can do anything to me. I'm a Christian, so I just it's my obligation to forgive you. Yes, you should forgive the sin. But stop, stop and think about it. The only thing that's going to make it possible for you to be merciful. See, many times when people are trying to be merciful, it's just, a, it's just an obligation of guilt. Okay, Jesus said, I got to do this, so I'm going to do it, and inside I'm going to keep hating that person. Well, what if all of the pain, all that emotion was gone? What if the pain of that offense, it wasn't even there? Well, I'll tell you what, then you would not be controlled. You would not stumble. You would not be controlled by the offense. You would be controlled by your faith. And your faith would lead you to be merciful. Your faith would lead you to open your heart to God and make the very best decision for that situation. Your faith would even, you know what? Your faith would even lead you to establish boundaries with people. Uh, you see, we can't be free from that which we accept or for that which we allow. That's why we've got to be willing to establish boundaries. So we send away the offense so that we can walk in love, so that we can be open to God's wisdom instead of driven by our wrath. You know, Proverbs 12, 26 says this, the righteous should choose friends carefully. I, I'm not going to be friends with somebody who is constantly wounding me and hurting me. I'm going to lay down boundaries. I'm going to make discussions about things. But, but you know what? If I'm wise, then I'm, gonna, I'm going to remove myself from friendships, relationships, business situations where there is this opportunity for me to be hurt and offended all the time because eventually I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to do something destructive. If you don't establish boundaries, you are a co-conspirator with the destroyer. Proverbs 18.9 says this in the original language. It doesn't say it 
In the King James, it says, He who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. I tell you, you got people committing suicide every day because they won't forgive, because they have a misunderstanding of the biblical process of healing. I want you to go back and listen to this two or three times, and I'm going to talk to you next week about how to walk out this process of healing. We're going to continue this. I'm not ready, I'm not ready to stop this. And listen, by the way, at the end of this, be sure and, and uh, like uh, the, the, uh, uh, this YouTube channel if you're watching this on YouTube. Check out my website, impactministries.com. And we're doing stuff all over the world. I'd love to invite you to participate with me. But uh, uh, also, don't forget Impact Unlimited. We are bringing people on board to go through a one-month life coaching uh, seminar workshop together to help you work through these issues about how to stop the pain. I'll be talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.